Hello, and welcome to Core Women. My name is Dr. Summer Watson, and I'm the founder of Core Women, and I'm also an empowerment strategist for women. So if you're listening to this podcast to delve more into empowerment strategies, well, you're here for the right reason. However, Core Women was also developed because it's a special place that provides a unique idea of home for the hearts and souls of women. It's a place for us to share our strength, energy, wisdom, and authenticity. It's a place for women to find support and strategic empowerment ideas that will help support their lives. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Anne-Marie Cummings, who is an Indie Series Award-winning director, Telly Award-winning executive producer, Emmy-nominated for acting, writing, and directing, and is an Indie Series-nominated actress, writer, and producer. Anne-Marie began acting at a very early age, honed her skills at Carnegie Mellon University, Northwestern University, and at the British American Drama Academy in Oxford. She has also created, written, and directed the Amazon Prime series, Conversations in LA, which is described as a single-shot midlife love story. There is so much more that I could say about you, Anne-Marie, but this is your story to tell, so let's get right into talking about your exciting journey, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me to be interviewed. Thank you for being on the Core Women Podcast. So let's get right into talking about your journey and how your interest in the entertainment profession evolved. Let's start when you were, let's say, around six and you started (laughs) acting. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes. I mean, I gravitated to acting at a young age. My parents saw that. So I attended a children's theater and I got involved in the theater right away. I loved empathizing with other characters and being other characters. And I think the biggest turning point for me was when I was about 15 and I just took myself out to audition, to audition for Anne Frank. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and um, I got that role. And I remember taking, I was reading Konstantin Stanislavski at that wow. age, even, be, even before. Wow. But I remember going to a museum exhibit on Anne Frank and the Holocaust. And I really felt connected to her so that when I was portraying her, I, it, was, it, it would feel real. Right. And, um, you know, I like to have a closeness. I mean, this is a very, I'm a little bit of a kind of a Daniel Day Lewis type of, you know, actor. Mm-hmm. When I'm working on a role, when I have been in the past, any theatrical role that I've done, and most of it's been the theater, uh, almost all of it actually has been the theater before Conversations in LA. Um, I really take on that role. I like to, it's also, I guess, I know Christian Bale also does something like this too. You know, I go there because right. that's what you have to do. You're, that's the, that is the job of an actor is to take on that role. So, you know, for me, um, you know, I've been able to play a, a, a wide variety of roles in the theater. Um, you know, not just what we see out here in Hollywood, which is you'll be boxed in in a certain category, uh, I think that actors should be given more credit than that. It's, it's, it's the actor's job to have range. 
Right. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe some actors can't have range or don't want to have range, but mm-hmm. I'm one of those that likes range um, because it's, it's, it's like, you know, you, you and I were just talking about how I've traveled around a, a lot of the world. And I think that's part of what this is for me is when you take on a role, um, you want to show different people in the world and what their experience is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it gives, it gives the character depth and it also gives it range and, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it gives it character. And so to be in that character, to live that character, you need to understand it. And from many different directions, points of view. So Mm -hmm. really interesting that you do that and important as well. So after 15, you went to, you know, you got this role as Anne Frank and we moved forward and you then went on to university. So tell us about that experience and how you honed your skill there. You know, I was, um, you know, I think that I just decided that I'm going to audition for some of those top schools. I auditioned for NYU and Carnegie Mellon University, Mm -hmm. the drama program. Both are very competitive. I got into Carnegie Mellon and, you know, I remember I was um, practicing my audition so many times by myself in the living room and I was I remember my piece, my audition piece was um, Irina from the Three Sisters, a Chekhov play. And I just, I could see, you know, my parents peeking in on me, like, what is our, our daughter is really, she's just, she's just got a mind of her own. She's going to do this and she's going to do it on her own terms. They, you know, there was this, this strong conviction within myself. I didn't need anyone else telling me what to do or how to do it. I knew what, what character to pick. I knew how I was going to go walk in that room and basically show them what I am made of and that I should be at that school. And uh, I got in and I had a very intense four years there. You know, it's, it's taking your raw ability and adding brains to it. It's learning to look at a script. It's learning to break down a script. It's looking at how you break down the role. It, you know, it, it helped me with all the reading that I had done on the method acting, but also incorporating other approaches, not just my limited experience as a younger person. So it just opened the doors for me, and I continued that journey after Carnegie Mellon in the theatrical realm. I stayed there. That's where I wanted to stay. I didn't want to go anywhere else. I didn't feel comfortable with television or film at that period in my life. That wasn't what I was. I just, you know, maybe it's because it was not something that I was exposed to, but it was also just, I knew that I needed to explore theater in all its, all its ways. And I did, I was, you know, I was acting uh, professionally in regional theaters around the country. I started, then I started playwriting and I had a play off Broadway. And then I decided to follow the writing path a little more intensely. And I started a, uh, theater company in upstate New York, and I, 
I was directing while I was writing plays, but then I was directing more. And when I moved here to Los Angeles, everything came together, all of my experience, but oddly on film slash television. So that is fantastic. That is amazing. Mm. And I love that journey. I love that journey of, you know, personal growth of education and then bringing that forward in all of that you your talent and your experience at this point now has accumulated and you're bringing that to the a new part of your journey which is then let's talk about conversations <laughs> in LA <laughs> mhm 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 yeah so let's talk um, about that and your inspiration for the show and what risks you took to to get it launched what it took to get it launched? Yeah, some of the risks because I agree <laughs> that um, you know you even sold your house, you know, just yeah, to yeah. create this dream to make this dream come true. Is that correct? Well, yes, but you know, let's just I you know, and I'm I'm glad you're asking this. This is really there. Everybody has turning points in their lives, and you know, you have to make decisions. We all have to make decisions about what it is that we're going to focus on, what it is that we're going to risk, and when. Right. And, you know, I think the when is, is very important. You know, what was happening to me when I was in upstate New York, I reached a, you know, look, we all, if we're the kind of person that is seeking growth, and that's me, we reach ceilings, we reach a ceiling and we want more. And then we want more and we want to be pushed more. We want to be challenged more. We want something else. And I saw that was happening to me. I had explored acting. I had explored playwriting to, to as much as I wanted. I had explored uh, directing. I was really thinking more about directing and I was there in upstate New York and was listening to, I was, I've always watched films more than television, but I've always watched films probably one or sometimes two a night, um, you know, after I would have a long day of work or working in the theater or rehearsal, that was, that was something that was always there. So I was listening to an interview with Ridley Scott, famous film director. I'm sure people yeah. would know him from Black Hawk Down. Absolutely. And I was just listening to his journey and how he was an art director. And I thought, okay, if I am starting to think about film, what am I going to need to do? <laughs> what am I going to have to change? If I'm starting to think, I don't want to, I don't want to limit myself and just stay in this world because I was looking around me at a lot of the people that I know that are in the theater and they stay only in the theater, but <laughs> there's so much more, there's so much more, you know, and I realized this would be a new beginning and it's kind of quote unquote later in life for me. Uh, I was 47 or at the time, I think mm -hmm. that I made that decision. So I decided, you know, it's now or never. I have to just, I have to make a change. Right. So I, I um, and, and it's going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah. And it might be a little scary for a little while, but, you know, it's, it's now or never. Right. And you've got one life and you've got to do it. If you really want to do it, you have to do it. 
so I looked up um, uh, Ron Osborne, who is a screenwriting professor at um, the Film Connection in L.A. I came here for a visit, interviewed with him, and I signed up to study with him, study screenwriting. He wrote the acclaimed TV show Moonlighting. I love that. And (laughs) yeah, you know, uh, I'm sure there are many millennials who don't know that show. It's an old show with uh, Bruce Bruce Willis Willis and Uh Sybil Shepard. In any case, uh, I decided, okay, that's it. I really liked meeting him. I felt that this was going to teach me. I didn't know what I was up for, but I did sell my house and I did move here. Um, And I came here, studied with him for probably about eight months, wrote a screenplay, my first. You know, I never studied formally. I'm an autodidact, by the way. I'm... Outside of my dramatic theatrical education, I look, I teach myself. I, I read all the time. That's the kind of person I am. I, I, it's almost trial and error, but sometimes that, that's the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, education is not everything, but I needed guidance. And Ron gave it to me. It was, I've said this before to other people, it was really a kind of an officer and a gentleman type of, I mean, without, you know, it was, it was a mental stretch for me. And it pushed me to the point where I felt confident enough to take a whole project on like conversations in LA where I was the producer, the star, the writer, the actress, the director. And in many ways, this was like all the theatrical experiences I had prior, just prior in upstate New York with my theater company, but for film, you know, it, you know, I've, I've written, directed, uh, starred in and produced theater pieces. So this was not that much of a stretch in my mind in some ways, the biggest difference was finding that rhythm and finding that style in the film format. And of course, I gravitated to what most people shy away from, which is one-take filmmaking. Wow. I mean, that's, that's something that most people, uh, it's a very difficult uh, format right. because it, <clears throat> it requires rehearsal, it requires um it requires choreography it requires a team a real team coming together and making that happen it doesn't have to be a big team so this was uh this was fascinating to find that and i found it with a group of people and we made it happen season after season after season and it wasn't about okay how much money is this going to make this was about how great can we make this? Right. How, how, that how much better season. can we get each season? You know, right. this is, that, that was, you know, season one has a very raw feeling to it. Season two, you can see it just gets sharper. And then season three is like our glory years, you know, yeah. even though season one still has this really beautiful rawness, um, you know, we were finding our footing and, you know, people say to me, 
how could you do that? Well, it's just because of my theatrical experience and background. You know, I, I, uh, as a theater director, I gravitate to the abst. I, I really gravitated more to the avant-garde approach, okay. and that comes from my experience with directors like the famous Anne Bogart, mm-hmm. who directed me in a play, and she mm-hmm. incorporates a lot of physicality into her work. Um, you know, I I've worked with different directors who are very smart, Doug Hughes, who directed Doubt on Broadway. He's a Tony Award-winning director. He's an incredibly smart director, smart decisions, smart choices for your actors. Um, and, and, and I learned that as an actress, but ultimately I started doing that as a director with the actors I was directing. So all of this was translated into conversations in L.A., well, that's amazing because you're talking about one strategy. You're talking about new and unusual ideas about how do you put this all together and then be able to do that in one take. But again, you're talking about bringing forward many of the concepts, ideas, strategies, and ways that you've worked in the past to apply to conversations in LA. And it worked. You know, you had strategy, you took some risks, and you had a lot of courage. And the bottom line here was, and I loved what you said about, it wasn't about the money, it was about how good this could be, and Mm -hmm. what you can make of it. And I love that because I think many times, if you put, what is my gain before, how can I make this better, I don't think things might turn out as successfully, because there might be such a rush or such a, an urgency for, oh, I need this, you know, whereas there wasn't that urgency put before the creativity. No, no. In fact, um, each season was a year long expedition and, you know, that, that right there. And I'll even say uh, that for season one, we refilmed, we, you know, reshot several of the episodes once I realized what I was doing. I didn't go into it saying, okay, I'm going to create a TV show. I went into this saying, I need to create something. And I met this actor and we started doing these scenes that I was writing because I had the impulse, but I didn't go into it with a clear set ideas because, and I, I, I think that we have to keep artists should always keep an open mind of experimentation, especially creators, right. you know, creators are, I mean, look at, look at, I've compared myself with Jackson Pollock so many times because I don't think that Jackson Pollock, when he started his drip series paintings, he necessarily realized he was going to be a drip series, you know, that that was going to become his golden age, his his period of glory. And I found something out of a a mind of experimentation, exploration, not, not necessarily 
there was no other way. Let's just put it that way. There's no other way. Everyone around me was somewhat flabbergasted with what I did uh, because they were like, wait a minute, how'd you, oh my God. But then it makes complete sense when you look back at what I've done. But then again, if you look at any successful artist who accomplishes something great, whatever level it's at, I know this is going to sound interesting. This morning, I, you know, I read the news and I came across an article about Kate Ohashi, I think the uh, gymnast. Okay. And I was just like, wow, look at her, you know, look at her, look at her background to see what she did. Right. I mean, this is dedication, not giving up, persistence, um, you know, finding, finding her, finding how to, finding herself in, in her own way to doing what she's doing. I mean, all this is just, I could go on and on and on. But this makes sense, you know, Anne-Marie, because we all, when you talk about that young woman, we all have a journey, right? And no one is the same. No one's journey is the same or exact, or, you know, it may be similar, but how we approach that is so significant. And this is the importance of the Core Women podcast is having a a, a format where women talk about their journey because each woman that's been on here is so different and unique. And it's so exciting to hear their approach to their life and how that has Mm -hmm. developed. Because Mm -hmm. when you speak about what you did with Conversations in LA, I go back to several of the things that you said in that your theater experience helped you so much you weren't experienced in television or film but yet you were going to put that theater aspect towards what you're going to develop plus you then took chances and risks to develop something new and unique and your approach was new and unique and that's why people were like a little stunned about wow this worked for you yeah it worked Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. your journey these were your techniques now you're a model. There's a way to do this. And it's not necessarily by A, B, and C equals D, you know, it's, or one, two, three equals, you know, it's more along the lines of develop your journey, develop your approach and your methodology. And that's what you did by bringing that wisdom, those experience, experiences forward with you, which worked, which really worked for you. So I'm going to ask you a question now, um, based on what you've experienced thus far in your life, what has been one of the most challenging aspects in your career and how have you overcome this challenge? I would say first knowing who you are and relaying that vision to other people. So they follow you and your path as opposed to we want, we're going to take you with our agenda. I had to do that with conversations in LA. I had to get other people on board with my vision. I had to get other people excited by my vision and what I was doing through much criticism, you know, like this is, I mean, a lot of criticism. (laughs) This isn't film. This isn't the way it's done. What are you doing? This isn't, you know, I mean, endless, right. endless, endless. Right. And, and not fighting that, but letting that be because people have their opinions, you know, 
you, you know, um, there, there are many, a number of playwrights that I have admired who have been very controversial, but I uh, have watched how they handle that controversy. And so, you know, as a female, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy being a female and a director, but I stand my ground because the fact is, you know, I have my mind that is very, I see what my mind, how it operates. I see how it thinks. I see that I've arrived to this place. This isn't something anyone can take away. Correct. So, you know, that's something that you have to stand by. And I've had to stand by. And I'd say that's definitely uh, the, ch- the challenge. Now, I'm very, very fortunate to have to be working right now with uh, literary managers who have said to me when they took me on, we're going to follow your lead. So they understand me. They understand who I am. And, and now we're creating new projects. Um, and, and at the same time, it's a collaboration. So I'm open enough to hear their ideas as well. So, but they're, they know who they're dealing with and they took me on because of who I am. They took me on because of conversations in LA. They embraced my one take film, you know, which, which will be out there in the world at some point. And that's, that's, you know, that's what it takes. It's, I could have easily, easily, I tell you so many times I could have given up in this process with conversations in LA because producing means facing obstacles and finding solutions to those problems. And believe me, the amount of problems you face when you're producing uh, is, is a lot. There are a lot of technical problems, uh, actor problems, uh, timing problems, scheduling problems, sunlight problems, Right. Daytime, nighttime. Uh, how is this going to work technically? How do I get my vision to my DP? How is he going to, you know, right. aside from the simple fact that most DPs don't memorize blocking for 20 to 30 minutes. That's, you know, I've been very fortunate. You know, my editor and DP, Sebastian Heinrich, We've been through a lot, you know, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you're teaching someone your vision that most people don't do um, or maybe refuse to do or can't do. But, you know, my kudos go to him for sticking that sticking it out with me through a lot of trial and error. Well, so in conclusion, I would say it, the, the, the biggest challenge for anyone who's in my position who has unique ideas and is it's it's holding on to that and not not dropping it just because other people don't go with it. You have to find the people that are going to go with you and not everybody's going to continue to go with you if there's opposition to that. Right. I understand what you're saying because while doing these interviews, many times when I'm interviewing a woman who is an entrepreneur, they get a lot of pushback about, wow, this is not a traditional job. Wow, this is, you know, you're so outside of the the realm of what I'm familiar with that 
this just doesn't feel comfortable to other people. Being able to diversify and not having a regular income, being able to take chances, being able to take calculated risks, like all these things can be very scary for some folks. And yet, if this is your journey and you can embrace that and go forward and really develop it, well, good on you, you know, and good on the folks that, you know, jump on board and say, you know what, I'm behind you because you want to surround yourself with those positive people who say, yes, we can do this. We can do this together. I can be of support to you. And you found your way, you know, and this is your way and this is your journey. So bravo to you. That's exciting stuff. My other question to you is, what would you consider one of your most successful or enlightened moments in your career so far? I would say that this is all tied in with, I mean, everything is one for me. It's all connected to what I'm doing. And I would say that it's my attitude. It's my mindset. It's not a particular success moment. Okay. It's mindset and how I've changed and how I have spend the time. It's almost a sort of meditative state that I take every day to be grateful, to see the good in my life, to seek out and look at other people who have that magical mindset um, and to live that, to live that. Not to wish that, but I've become that. That's that's really, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a real optimist, and um, that's that's just who I am. And I I embrace the kinds of things that um, make my life enjoyable, and it's my mindset. It's all about mindset. Your my my life is based on, well, I could say our lives, but I'm not, I'm not here to tell other people how to think. I believe in being able to make the impossible happen. I believe in waking up and thinking positively. I believe in turning any negative thoughts into positive thoughts. I believe in supporting other people in their journey. I believe in those those kinds of things. I believe that it's discipline is important. And I, when I was reading about the gymnast this morning, I really came across something that I love um, and which is also part of my mindset, which is always learning healthy consistency, not extreme difficulty. Healthy consistency is a good thing. Um, and finding those people that bring the joy into what you're doing and surrounding yourself with those people. Absolutely. This is very important for your, you know, this to me is the greatest, the greatest thing that's come out of all of this, because if you don't have the right mindset, how could you have a good life? Absolutely. And the people around you that are positive and supporting you is so important. And you can choose who those people are because it is significant and it's important and it makes a difference. And so I love everything that you said. As a matter of fact, 
that is exactly the premise of Core Women. The Core Women was developed over just over a year ago um, to create something where women could find a unique home for their hearts and souls. It was a unique home for the hearts and souls of women. I looked around and I was with friends that, that mattered to me and I looked around and thought, you know what? I love watching them engage. I love watching them talk and grow and just feel empowered and inspired by one another. Does every woman have this? And so when I look back on that, I thought, you know, what do I want to do to give and provide to other women? And it was, I want to create a podcast. Have I, had I had ever done anything like this before? No. I then went on to, I want to produce documentary films. I did three in a year, one in New York, one in Tennessee, and one in Los Angeles. So, you know, it can be done. You just put action behind your dreams. You surround yourself with wonderful people. And this is what I hear you doing as well. And I love it. I absolutely love it. So yay, bravo. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And yes, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I want to also just preface that this isn't necessarily, doesn't have to be about achieving. Right. Uh, you know, um, it doesn't have to be. It, it, you know, this mindset is that I'm talking about is, is, is kind of separate from achieving anything. It's, it's just being able to be, be right. <laughs> uh, uh, the kind of person that you feel good about. Right, <laughs> right. And being yourself, you know, and I think that, mm -hmm. that in itself is a journey. I think really being able to, to grab or develop or understand like what your value is, what your personal values are, what, what your personal purpose is, because it doesn't matter necessarily what others think. It's who you are, who you want to be, what you want to develop into like the person so to speak and exactly exactly i want to say along those lines you know most people most women who i know who are in hollywood are here to get that role which is 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 fantastic i know that i'm when i started identifying with people like julie delpy or people like Ed Burns, who are creators, who act, write, and direct, I, I saw, oh my God, that's me. That's who, you know, we have to find who we are, you know, the, those were my role models. Right. Those people. Right. Um, you know, even, and dare I say, despite the controversy, somebody like Woody Allen, you know, these are people that, from the artistry point of view, they are doing what I can and want to do right so right. you know there are geniuses out there that i am emulating right. um because i see something in me uh maybe not at that level the genius level but i see something in me that identifies with that so a lot of people will say to me something to the effect of um you know, well, okay, so what kind of roles do you want to go out for? Well, yeah, sure, I'll go out for roles, but I know who I am. Right. I still know I'm a creator. I know that that's the direction that I should be moving in. Absolutely. And I mentioned all of that about who you are and discovering your own value and purpose because 
the book that I just wrote, um, co-wrote, F Yeah, Get Real with Strong Language, is really about that. It's about finding yourself. It's about personal value, having that strength and courage to understand who you are and paralleling that value with your journey. So that when you can parallel that, that means that you love, you will love what you do personally and professionally. Because if you don't understand who you are or understand your personal beliefs and values, you're going to be looking a long time for that point of I'm content, I'm happy, this is where I need to be. So rather than going years and years and years of not understanding that, here's this book that's now saying, hey, explore these things because this is really the foundation for what's going to lead your life. Yes, and I love that you oh. use the word foundation. Absolutely. Right. Foundation and, you know, is what it is. <laughs> right, and it is, and it's what we're talking about. Our conversation is very exciting to me because when you talk about being real and having your own personal purpose and your own value, well, you know what? That speaks to me. So my last question for you, well, I have two. What are you okay. working on now that you want to talk about? Um, well, I, I can't talk too much about those right. projects, but um, I am developing a new television series, and I have a literary team that is working with me on that. It's exciting. Right. I can say that it's um, very, it's new uh, for me to uh, work with a group of people who are you know, working with my mind. Um, and that's exciting um, because of the give and take and the collaboration and the push for greatness, the best that you can get it to be, as opposed to, I don't want to say that there was a lack of that with conversations in LA. I don't think there was at all. I think that there was, I just didn't have, I somebody else or other people, you know, guiding a little bit. So I didn't have that at all. <laughs> um, um, there wasn't a showrunner on that show. There wasn't, you know, a team of writers. So this is exciting. And I actually, right after conversations in LA, I had, I had actually for an entire year, the last season, season three, I was mm -hmm. thinking in the back of my mind about a play I wrote called Sinkhole <clears throat> and that I wanted to change that into a film. And I did, I did right away. As soon as Conversations in LA season three was done back in December, I immediately got to it. I enlisted a script, uh, just a, like a script supervisor, somebody who I had worked with as production manager on conversations in LA, Winston Avalos. And he, he was basically, I, I, cheerleader is not the word, but he was somebody I was bouncing my ideas off of. And I was just so gung ho to get it out of me. It was a floodgate. I needed to, I knew I needed in order to write that I needed somebody who I could basically touch base with every day and just say, this is where I'm at to mark my progress and and get it done. I think most writers would agree with me that the biggest 
obstacle for a writer is just just write it right um you know just get a, you know it's but you know obviously there's a form there's a formula for me and that's to get it the to be the best especially this tv show so right. you know this is a whole other this is a whole other realm so yeah. it's uh it's exciting it is very exciting, exciting. yeah the exciting stuff so my last my last question for you, and you've already given us so much here in this conversation, but my last question is, what words of wisdom can you leave the listeners with today? This is a question I ask every guest, and you've already filled us with so much wisdom, but if it was that one piece of wisdom, what would it be? Don't care about what other people think. That right there is what stops sometimes our own genuineness. If you're too concerned about that. Yeah. And, and I think in an age of our social media age, that happens a lot. Oh. I think it can, I it can cut off our potential, especially younger people. In order to be, you know, we talked about what I'm saying to be yourself. In order to be yourself, one of the, one of the things you need to do is not, worry so much or think about, well, this person says this. Well, I mean, sure, you have to distinguish between opinion and your own direction. I mean, we can't be swayed all over the place because everybody's got a different opinion. Exactly. No, I fully agree. And this is a, a conversation for another day. But social media, has, you know, this social media has a whole different impact on our millennials and with our generation, we were able to see what it was like without social media versus what it's like with social media. So we have that comparison. And I think for some of our younger folks, it's very difficult at times because there isn't that point of comparison necessarily. We, we, we didn't necessarily grow up with these phones and computers and, you know, early on. So we had to be really creative and be ourselves by learning through action. So like I said, that's a whole different conversation, but I totally agree. It's be yourself and sometimes you can't care what other people think. So thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. I loved it. Thank I you. really loved it. I enjoyed it so much. If you'd like to know more about Anne-Marie Cummings, please go to her website at annemariecummings.com, follow her on IMDb, and follow her on Instagram at annemariecummingsartist, and on Twitter at converseinla. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infocorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.